was a dark and stormy night when the Ox Unplugged decided to delve into the subject of horror. I am Crispy Crowd. I am Mr. Jaywit. And I am Halion. And I'm scared. We are telling some spooky tales. Ooh. Spooky tales? The spoopiest. The, sp oh, the spoopiest? Oh, okay. Okay, I thought we were talking yeah. about scary stuff. If we want to talk about the the witch level of um of uh, autumn of where it's just like the vague mis ideas of um of spook i'm fine with that or we can talk about the real fucked up horror movies that we like i mean either or it's fine with me i'm fine with doing horror movies because i couldn't tell you shit about witches but just to, just to get started since we're we're, we're talking horror horror is a big genre because it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to mean just movies. You know, horror encompasses books, uh, film, uh, ghost stories. Um, there's the aspect of horror involved in, in Halloween, in cosplay, in, in music even. Like, you know, heavy metal, your death metal. There's, a, there's an aspect of horror in all of that. And so it, it covers a lot of different things. But what I find interesting is what you know what's the origin of it why why do we as a species want to be scared you know what, what is it about that why is it the scary spooky things that that draws our interest and i think in my opinion and i'm not a learned man um i think it comes back to that that fight or flight part of our monkey lizard brain where oh 100 percent we, you know, as, as a species, as human beings are good at recognizing patterns and way, 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 way back in our early ancestors, some of them were better than others at recognizing when a situation was dangerous, you know, whether it was noticing the signs of, you know, an impending bad weather, whether it was noticing or sensing that there was predators nearby or just whatever it was, something that, that triggered those, you know, for lack of a better term, spidey senses that would get them scared and spooked that would help preserve their life. And some, and through, through the generations that's been passed down. And so there's, there's something about that. When we see something that's scary, that's unsettling, that's, um, that's dangerous, that's really unnatural, really unusual. I think it just triggers that monkey lizard part of our brain that does like this immediate, like, you know, dump of hormone that, you know, that gets us going, that gets our heart racing, that gets our brains running. And for, and you know, some people more than others, you know, I know there's certain people like my wife does not like scary movies. Um, and I'm not a huge fan, but there are, there is just something about it um, that, 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 you know, where some people are just really into it. I disagree on the history portion of it. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you know much about the history of books or anything like that, but there was actually a very legitimate and very real moral panic when fiction writing actually came about. No kidding. Yes. Uh, the argument is, why would anybody ever create fake things when you could talk about real things? That's always fun. Yeah. No, no, no. It was a very, like, that, that was an argument, and that was in the 1700s. While horror as a like genre was built in the 1800s with Dracula, Frankenstein, that sort of stuff. So, uh, fiction 
was around for a lot longer than the horror genre. So I don't think horror is inherently intrinsic in that sense. That's my my read on it, at least. Well, it is I, I, extremely old, yes, but it's not that old. Well, and see, I I agree with you to an extent that it's not just a result of that that the whole horror genre came about. I think it evolved after uh, from that where people it was discovered like oh people like this kind of stuff because there's there's because horror covers a lot of different things it can cover the traditional you know jump scare simple stuff it can it can go over the supernatural it can get into the macabre you can then you've got your whole slasher you know blood and guts type thing so it encompasses a broad thing, but for for me, what it all comes ultimately comes down to there is there's something about that danger, that unnaturalness, that it taps into. Um, Scratching that lizard brain, man. But exactly what it's doing is tapping into I, those primal instincts. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Like I'm with you on that end. I have a weird question: Is true crime considered horror? It is horrifying. They can overlap, but I think it depends on on the bent that it comes from. Okay. Um, there's a there's a true crime uh, podcast that I listen to, where the presenter is often talks about how when he has somebody writing one of his episodes, he he constantly tells them less saw more CSI. Right. So, so mm -hmm. less the blood and the guts, more of the facts and the details of what happened. And so I guess it just depends on which way you go. There's a lot of true crime where they sensationalize and delve into the depravity, into the blood and the guts and the, the, the nasty, grisly part of it that I think skews way more into horror. And then there's others that go more to the clinical side that goes more of a, of a of the legal proceeding true crime. So I guess it just depends on the bent of, of how it's presented. No, that's fair. I was just half curious because I don't, if I see a true crime movie, they don't put the horror tag on it, even if it is unbelievably gruesome. It's just how the... Uh... Well, to be fair, when it comes to organizing things into genres and especially in that aspect, a lot of it is popular opinion. Um, so there's, I guess there's sort of the popular opinion where the horror just kind of, uh, there's a lot of times where horror kind of gets snubbed for things because people don't see it as, as a genre necessarily. Well, so no, no, no. I, I can see it's, why. Um, I would argue that horror is seen as pulp, not necessarily anything. Uh, like yes, it. definitely. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree with you. And pulp always gets snubbed up for obvious and non-obvious reasons. Well, I, I, I forget if we talked about that in the comics episode, but this, this kind of ties in, um, you know, uh, comics too, a lot of the time are seen as pulp by people. Um, and back in the day, you know, you had like, I think it was action comics or all these different um, comic books where it would be horror and things like that until you had the Hayes Code come along, which kind of pushed all that to the wayside because it was seen as it was a stupid law because people saw comics as immoral even though comics is an art medium of and sequential art's been a thing since caveman times but that's a whole other podcast um, yeah the 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 morality 
code and stuff killed a lot of the horror genre of comic books, yeah. which were incredibly popular for a long, long, long time. But but that eventually helped give rise to the superhero becoming the yeah. dominant comic book form because you couldn't do the the true crime, you know, the old police gazettes and shit and stuff like that, where you had all the true crime and the and the and the horror and stuff like that. You, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It, it it phased a lot of that out. Um, and you know, it it's true that it's treated like pulp a lot of the time. I mean, look at how people view Frankenstein. Yet Frankenstein is the tale is is misunderstood by a lot of people because they considered they don't consider Frankenstein the no the people main... do people do consider um, Frankenstein literature. Like if you go to the literature section in your local yeah. uh, bookstore, you do see it there. It is um, the difference between literature and pulp is mostly a like it's a two function like a couple functions one is time you need old people in like academic settings arguing over each other and arguing over each other over and over again until a consensus is formed that maybe mary shelley was a good author <laughs> so even though back in the day no kind of shit like people didn't like it like it, it has to be good as well because no one's really looking at like all of the terrible terrible dracula knockoffs that were around oh there are so many <laughs> there are so many of them they're all oh, hilariously God. bad now, hey now some of the some of the 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 bad dracula ripoff movies particularly the ones from the 60s and 70s those are just exquisite i was thinking of just the literature stuff were there oh, like well, terrible movies mm. Yeah, or I I mean I yeah, I'm thinking of terrible movies well, as well like to be fair, every genre is going to when something hits and becomes popular, you're going to have your copycats. That just happens. Mhm. Mm you do your your cheap mass produced get it out there just to, you know, it's garbage, but because it's about something that's that's become incredibly popular, if if we spend a nickel on it and we cast our net wide enough, we can probably make about three fifty on it because enough people are going to give it are going to you know say, oh. oh, that's about this, that's about this, that's about this, even if it's garbage and then and it never catches on. All you got to do is sell it once. Yeah, yeah, it's it's real great. I love it. <laughs> so I'm trying to remember. There was a very like unbelievably long running Varney the Vampire. Yes. What? There is a Victorian era Varney the Vampire who goes on. Oh God. Okay. So are you ready for this? The original um, edition of this book went on for 876 pages, nearly 667,000 words. Wow. You're nearly done. half a million words. Over half a million. Okay. I'm not going to lie. When you said Varney the Vampire, my mm -hmm. head instantly went to like Dracula meets Ernest. It is apparently unbelievably like pulpy and garbagey. But, um, not it was, it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really funny. Yeah. Ernest goes to Transylvania. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I feel like that's an actual movie. That's that's what I'm picturing. You say because yeah. you know, Varney the Vampire, Jim Varney. It's that, a penny. It's a penny dreadful, dreadful. Like yeah, but not a good one. No, 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 no. But it was popular. <laughs> yeah. 
don't okay. think we're just talking be, quality. Okay. Let's, let's go ahead and, and put it out there now. Just because something was popular does not make it good. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's The that's Macarena very was very popular. <laughs> that doesn't make know. it good. I have, you have insulted my entire family. I'll have you know, good sir. <laughs> Look, I am not one to judge. You know, my I have professed my trash music and book taste. I, I actually like the Macarena. I'm just acknowledging that it's just because it's popular doesn't mean it's, it's good or great or whatever. But, um, but see, but that just comes back down to it. You know, it's like, what is it? Why do people like that macabre, the scariness? Why are we still fascinated with uh, Jack the Ripper, you know, 100 something years well, later? I, like I think I think I have an answer to that. And uh, I think your question in general, um, to some extent, it doesn't apply to all horror. But I think part of it just comes down to the mystery and fear of the unknown, you know. The reason Jack the Ripper persists as a legend is because we never found the guy who actually did it. We don't know who Jack the Ripper actually was. And there's hundreds upon hundreds of books and, and theories trying to figure that out. You have elements like cosmic horror or H.P. Lovecraft, where a lot of it is fear of things that are beyond human comprehension and that we cannot understand or getting a glimpse into it in a sense of understanding in our mindset so far below whatever the, the creature is. Um, you know, you have Frankenstein. People are afraid of the monster because it's something that's been brought back through, uh, you know, unknown science to people, a way to bring back the dead. And of course that's going to terrify people. You see that a lot today with technology, you know, um, just a, a lot of fear of the unknown, I think, plays into a lot of it. That's why the best horror movies are the ones where you don't see the monster a lot of the time. You, or when you do, it's a build-up to it. Because that apprehension and fear that we have of something we cannot see is what builds that suspense. Kind of. Because to me, there is a new type of horror that I am really in love with at the moment. Which is the horror where you just stare at the like unnatural thing and you just keep digging into it that's my current favorite thing of just an absolute like okay this is this like um it's more um body horror where you know what that monster is you know what it's doing to that person and you're gonna watch it we're gonna see what happens with all of these I things i hate body horror <laughs> <laughs> okay you bring up body horror. I think mm -hmm. that that is a very specific genre, very specific thing. Um, and the first one, when you say that, that comes to mind for me is a movie that I saw when I was nine, maybe 10, but I'm pretty sure I was about nine. And my parents, we had, we had just gotten a new Magnavox floor model. So it's a big wooden, you know, case t television, but this one had push buttons. It didn't have a dial. So we, you know, mm. we were living in the, oh. in the eighties and sick. cable had finally come to our area of the woods. So my parents had gotten cable and with that, they got HBO. And so here is little nine-year-old me 
one day watching HBO. And What's the alien movie? No, 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 no. There's uh -oh. this new there's this new movie that's come out that's that's like all the rage called Poltergeist. Mm. And ah. there's this scene where there's a paranormal investigator who's staking out their home because they think it's haunted, who's it's late at night, he's tired, he hasn't seen anything. So he wanders into the bathroom and he like like rinses water on his face and he's looking at his face oh, in the mirror. And he starts like picking at his face and like little bits and pieces of his face are coming off. And and so he progressively starts pulling, pulling, and, and eventually it progresses to like he's just raking chunks of meat out of his face and they're just bloody chunks of meat are dropping into the sink. And it horrified me because it was just it was real. Like here's a yeah, man just yeah. ripping his face to shreds in front of me. There was nothing supernatural about it. I mean, granted, it ended up—it is our ghost. But yeah. yeah, but but just that's the first memory I have of any kind of body horror thing, and it fucked me up. That whole movie fucked me up for quite a while, to be honest. Um, huh. like like I had a, I had an aunt that at one Christmas several years before made all. Of when I say us, that's me and my cousins. There was there was a shit ton of us. We were it's in the South. We had a big family. Uh, made us all these little like crocheted sock monkey puppet uh, clowns. And if if you've ever seen Poltergeist, there's a whole plot element of a clown that's involved in the possession or taking of the one of the, of a little girl. Yeah, it's after I saw that. That clown, I literally went to my closet, took that clown out of my closet, and threw it into the garage. And it never came back in the house. Damn. Because that, that fucked me up that much. Wow. But Things anyway. that traumatizes his children. Yeah, Poltergeist <laughs> fucked me as a child. I, like, I was way too young. I My parents should have been way more careful about the shit that I was watching. I, you know, not to get too far off a tangent... They canceled HBO Not when they podcast. caught me and my slightly older cousins uh, watching Tarzan, The Legend of Greystoke, where the female lead spends pretty much the whole movie topless, covered in mud. Um, mm, okay. Yeah, that, that, that caused them to cancel oh, HBO. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Classic. Um, oh. but yeah, what, what is it about body horror? Why are we drawn to that? To me, it's like a couple things. One, like everyone's has an insecurity on their own body. So just having that like blown up in front of your face, suddenly you have a, a lot better time. Like the fly. Oh, I love that. I'm, I'm trying to remember the some of the scenes from the fly. The 86 oh, movie. Where he, uh, like the scene where like he... Um reaches up and like pulls off his own ear because he's yeah. slowly transforming into a human fly hybrid. Oh. oh, it's such a, it's so wet and gross. It's amazing. Yeah. And his, his teeth keep falling out. It's disgusting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. I mean, the one that I'm thinking of was, uh, the flood from halo. I, I don't know if you ever played the games, Jay. I definitely know you didn't Hellion. Um, but I remember, the the first time when I played the original Halo, when you run into the flood, um, it's the mission three four three Guilty Spark is the name of it. It's um, you show up 
and for for the most part, like the game has been in like brightly lit or mysterious, uh, like complex. But you show up to this place; it's in the middle of an eerie, foggy swamp that's really dark, and there's things moving around in the shadows. And you have Covenant, who you've been fighting the whole game, and who've been ruthless, just running scared, and you don't know what's going on. And then when you finally run, when you finally find out what these things are is you come across the remains of the recon patrol you were sent to find and you watch the video of it and you just see these things just swarm them and just devour them and it twists them into these abominations these combat forms as they're called in the game that are just mutated and warped beings that are both human and alien that just attack you relentlessly you know just really like the, the the flood is something that really stuck with me, um, that or the uh, the Strog from Quake when you at the Quake Four like Strogification scene. I would if you don't know what that is, Google it because you can watch the whole cutscene. It's just it's another example of body horror that's fucked. Body horror, some crazy shit. Another body horror, I guess you could say, that stuck with me, and this was a, I was an adult. But it is a it's a scene at the very end of a movie that in and of itself is is definitely a psychological type horror movie that does have a lot of like blood and guts and type stuff. But to me, the most powerful part is the very, very end, um, which to me is is a very definition of a body horror. And what I'm talking about is the movie Saw the original uh, where at the end the main character is basically presented with you know this video of what presents what it looks like like his wife his child are like in mortal danger and he's trapped in this underground bunker with a uh, uh handcuffs around his ankle trapping him to that to the floor but his but his choice is there's a handsaw. And if he wants to get out, he can saw his own foot off. And in that moment, when he's pushed to his limit, when he can see what's going on and he's, and he's powerless to do anything about it, that's exactly what he does. And they show it, like his agony, his determination, he's just saw, just goes at it. And it's just like within like, it only takes him like 20, 30 seconds, but he literally just saws right through his foot. And, uh, and then it's the blood and the and the 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 sound of it, right? It. As it's hitting the bone and going through the flesh. And then it's him dragging himself, trying to drag himself out of the room to try to to go to save his his wife and child. The visceral, immediate reaction of it, because you don't really technically see it coming. You don't know that, but then it just hits, like just all of it just immediately. That moment stuck with me to this day from the first time I saw it. Like to me, that's, that is the crowning achievement of that entire film franchise because at that moment, you both understand the motivation of why he would do it, how he could do it, but you're still horrified that he's able to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's uh pretty fucked up. It's a good thing. I only made that one movie though. <laughs> <laughs> so body horror is just a, a small a sliver of the horror movies in general. Yeah, that, I, I'm I'm more a fan of the more cosmic horror. Like, oh, so you like the big, scary, universe horror stuff? Sort of. So you're more a little bit uh, to some extent. I mean, 
I tend to deal with existential dread on a regular basis, but... So you like more like uh, Event Horizon? I have actually the, not the seen that one. Unknown. I'm, I'm more talking about Lovecraft, um, but... That's, well, in terms of, it's uh, kind of the same thing. Mm, I, I hard disagree on that one as well. Okay. Yeah. All right, I, I agree. It's not it doesn't involve with like the elder gods and shit. I um it's more about the when do I get to start? <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Go so, go right ahead, Jay. Okay. So Lovecraftian is sort is defined by A as a human, you will never be able to understand these vast un- unknowable things, right? Um it is not necessarily big things. It can also be small things that are just infinitely complex. A fractal inside of a fractal. Just um, thing on th- top of thing. And the implication is always, as a human, we can see only bits and pieces. It's like if a hyper-intelligent alien civilization came along and just left some ruins behind. Um, because Lovecraft, when he was, when he was alive... Does that, would you classify Roadside Picnic, then, as Cosmic Horror? Yes, I would, actually. I I could actually see that. Because it's humans dealing with things that they have no right to deal with, no, like, understanding, but, by golly, you can use these things and you get, like, infinite batteries out of, so, why not? Yeah, makes sense. Um... It's acknowledging that humans are very small, um, that everyone that the that everyone's life is uh, meaningless in terms of the grand scale of the universe, um, and that there are ancient things that some people may have barely understood in the past, but it's not it's unreasonable for anyone to understand it. Um, it yeah it's with. Sort of, uh... Peek behind the veil. With that movie that Halion mentioned, um, warp travel is horrifying, but it's and it is big, but it's not learning that it's a full of the danger zone doesn't break. I think that's the big difference. Yeah, yeah. Event Horizon, the 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 sub the, the plot basically is that you've got a ship with an unusual faster than speed travel that you come to find out the way it, the way you travel in fold space is essentially as it takes you through hell. Yeah. And so when you emerge on the other side, you're insane because you've been in hell. Yeah. But the people who look on it from the outside understand, well, I think that's yeah. understanding that, that it is evil. That is different. Right, it, it, it's that. That's what they come to understand. That, yeah, I, yeah. I completely understand what your difference. I'm. I was just thinking, in the, it, it is a cosmic type thing, but it's not the same as Lovecraft. Yeah, I agree. No, I see exactly where you're coming from. I'm also really picky when it comes to Lovecraft stuff. That's. I that's should fair. read more Lovecraft. I've I've just dabbled in it. I but I, I do like the whole big scary universe. You know, things beyond our understanding of these. You get you get a bit of that in in half-life especially when you go to the to zen and the end levels of the game um i will say love lovecraft stories are interesting they're not super great if you skip out on them i won't blame you sometimes it's not necessarily about the story it's the idea 
Yeah, the ideas in them are really good. Yeah, I I've read plenty of books where I love the idea, but the book itself was. Eh. Yeah, a lot of Lovecraft stuff. It is interesting at the start and at the end. In the middle, you're like, all right, let's just get through this. Yeah, it's, some of them can drag a bit. Speaking of horror, Stephen King is notorious for having great ideas, great books, and then totally <laughs> blowing the endings, and, which I personally yeah, I feel like that. he's gotten better about. But yeah, there's plenty of his books where it's like he spends seven to eight hundred pages telling this grand story and then about two paragraphs to end it. Yeah, and then he gets to the the end part of it and, well, it puts some things in there that I don't really fucked up. Well, yeah, but the, to be fair, he was doing a lot. He was drinking a lot back then. Lot Thank goodness you said drinking, drinking and not anything else. Well, <laughs> yeah, definitely not cocaine. Maybe, maybe a little nose candy too, but definitely the drinking. Yeah, like like he, he the day he realized he had a problem, he said, um, was he went to take the recycling out or something. This was in the like. I don't know if it's the late 80s, early 90s, somewhere around there. And he realized there was an entire, there was like multiple garbage cans of beer cans in his garage. And he remembered emptying those and taking them down to the curb like the week before. And so he was filling up multiple garbage cans of beer cans every week. And when he saw that, like saw the, the, the physical manifestation of the vo sheer volume of alcohol he was consuming, he actually like, yeah, I, I might have a problem. Damn. Dang. Yeah, that's, that's a wake up call. Now, I know that's this is real like, horror, right? <laughs> the heart, the real horror is the damage he was doing to his liver. But um, that 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 comes down to another shot, you know, horror writing horror books yeah. um as we have you know i don't know if we've alluded to or directly discussed but you know i i rather like stephen king which much to jay's derive what i am happy you like him i can <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that fully he's just like no it's just not my jam that's okay it's okay for things not to be your thing yeah um have I stated the fact that I've, I've, I swear I've said this opinion on the podcast before, but I think, I think he's gotten better since he had his accident. Have I said that? Um, you might have. I'm pretty remember. sure I did. But mm. if we, if I did, great. Sorry, you're going to hear it again. If I didn't, um, for anyone who doesn't know, Stephen King, prolific, longtime horror writer, been published since the seventies. Um. He spits he, out books like he's like nobody else in the world. He he, he writes a lot of books. Um, we do. I, is it is it like between him and James Patterson? But like, I think James Patterson is like a known cheat. Yeah, I, I'd say I I was gonna say Patterson, and I've read a, a good bit of his mm -hmm. stuff too. Um, <laughs> he, he puts out a lot, but I think a lot of his is kind of like crap. Okay. Whereas like Stephen King, like. He's legitimately writing books. Like Patterson, it's like it's just like I think it feels like a lot of filler at times. Um, I, I'm not gonna say he's using ghostwriters, but you know, uh, I I'm not, I get that I'm not feeling. gonna say I'll, that. Yeah, that, that is something that someone may have alleged, but I'm not saying that. I, I, oh, I okay. But um, 
somewhere I want to say it was maybe late nineties, could have been early two thousand, but I pretty I feel like it was somewhere in the night late nineties. Um, Stephen King, who was fam- famously set so many of his stories in Maine because that's where he lives, is in Bangor, um, was out on a, on a walk, and a guy who I believe was drunk driving, but don't hold me to that, uh, hit him with his van and nearly killed him, broke his leg, had to relearn how to walk. Hold on, hold on, yards. Um, like it was a, it was like it was one of those things where he very easily could have died, and afterwards. If you were a big King fan, have read a lot of his pre-accident work, a lot of the stuff that he's written since then is very different. Um, it's still King. It's very classic King, but there's just, it doesn't feel like it's the same type. Like the, the themes aren't quite the same where it's just like, you know, supernatural boogeyman shit. I mean, there's some of that still too, um, but a lot more it has been more, more human, um, a lot more about love lost, a lot more pain, a lot more uh, emotional oh. type stuff. Um, I think it's, I feel like it's been, it's been a lot deeper oh. since then, but that is my opinion. There are also people who feel like since then his writing has gone off the rails. It's because they liked the earlier stuff, eh, you know, to each his own. Yeah, how it goes. Um, Someone yeah. changes and then everyone is upset. Yeah. Uh, but me personally, I, I'm I'm down for it. I'm still a big King fan. I haven't read a tremendous amount of it lately, but for me, where he excels is his collection of short stories, where he'll just get an idea that he thinks could be really interesting, but he doesn't feel like it's enough that he could write a whole novel on it. So he'll just write a short story, you know, 50, 60 pages, and then he'll collect those, you know, 10, 15 of them in a book. His short story collections are worth the read. Even if you don't read any of his other stuff, the short stories are excellent. Yeah. That um, does bring up a, an interesting point, though. Um, sorry, go ahead. Sure. Um, my point is that um, I, I don't super enjoy his writing, but I do acknowledge that he is really fucking good at what he does. It's just not my, my style. Um, he did write some uh, nonfiction on, like, on horror Mm-hmm. Like the book on horror, which is absolute chef's kiss in terms of uh, like understanding the horror genre and breaking everything down. So don't get I me have... wrong. I do respect him. I think on some level, have you ever read any of the Dark Tower series or tried to? I tried to read the first one, the first book, and I went, ah, and then didn't bother. Okay. And that's fair. Because, I mean, at, at the start of the book, he, he acknowledges, hey, this is kind of shit. And I read a little bit and I went, oh, this is kind of shit. Yeah. yeah. The the problem with the Dark Tower is he started, the, for, again, for anyone who's not aware, the Dark Tower is a series of novels that Stephen King wrote, seven in total, I believe it's seven, where he began writing them in the 70s and he didn't complete them until the early 2000s. And they encompass a series of adventures of a main character, Roland the Gunslinger, in this mythical land, but it literally ties together threads from all of his novels, all the works that he's done. Oh man. It all exists in this. It's like the land that the dark tower and the gunslinger exists in. is kind of like this pocket universe that's connected to all the other universes that the, that his novels happen in. Well, 
again, at the same time, the first two, maybe three novels that he wrote of the series were also while he was still drinking heavily, and that influenced a lot. The ones that he, and those those happened, like he wrote those first three, maybe four, um, The Dark Tower, The Drawing of the Three, The Wastelands, I think. Um, he wrote those first ones over a course of like the first 20 years of his career. The latter ones where he kind of finished and fleshed it out, most of those happened within about a 10 to 15 year period where he just kind of boom, 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 we're putting them out. They're much more gelled. They much more, you know, they, they, they're, they're more complete in how they, they seem. Um, if you can get past the first few, which are rough reads, I admit the latter ones are much easier reads. Matter of fact, the, Fourth one, I believe, called Wizard in Glass, one of my favorite King novels of all time. To me, one of the best depictions of heartbreaking love lost that I've ever read. And this so, will conclude yeah. my King's talk. Sorry. Okay. That I will say, if I could, like if I wanted to like really go in depth, but since I don't like it, I don't want to push. Oh, no, no, no. That's yeah. fair. Absolutely. An there is a trash series. Yeah, you guys are really authors and i'm just sitting here like um i forgot the name of the i have the books right in front of me the dresden files jim butcher's yes. the dresden. yeah yes. they are trash they are very good though they're yes. very enjoyable yes a lot of whole themes as well not exactly Ooh. a horror thing but mm, it's fun mm -hmm. uh, a See, lot of good old ghosts and everything yeah you know and that's the the other thing about horror. You mentioned ghost. I think the predominant genre of horror involves the supernatural. It involves the this the vengeful it spirit, does, yeah. the the undead like zombies or what have you, the um the unkillable killer. You know, like like Freddy and Jason, um, uh, Jason Vor or uh, Michael Myers. Um, it's, it's that thing that's beyond this world that's, that we are powerless to stop that wants to do us in, you know, ghosts and demons and things like that, that to me, that that's where it seems like that's the majority of where horror gets into. And, you know, I don't have a good explanation for why that is. You know, why why are we drawn to those things that we're that are beyond our control? Um, I I actually do have one. Um, every single uh, as I think someone has mentioned this before, but either someone has or I'll just say it, which is that the cultural fear of the moment can easily be reflected in the type of horror that's seen every single that's seen in like that decade. Oh, absolutely. So, like, in the 70s and 80s, you had a lot of ghosts. Um, then, in the 90s and 2000s, you had a lot of zombies. Like, you can start connecting bits of, well, you have actually economic fears at this time, and, like, you've got fears of, like, capitalism on this time, and you've got, in modern day, it's fear of, like, more of the unknown and what's happening and that sort of thing. So you can, so every single monster has a type of, um, a cultural touchstone that it's basing it, it, it off of. 
that fear off of. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you can even be like, oh yeah, werewolves are the outsider who are coming in. And based on what people are into, you can, yeah, you can start making references. Yeah. Look at, uh, invasion of the body snatchers or like the thing movies like that. A lot of that is fear, like communism. 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 Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Explain to me then Friday the 13th in nightmare on Elm street where you've got this undead killer that's preying on horny teenagers. What, what was that about? Was that more of like the satanic panic pushback? It's a, it's a, it's your interpretation, right? Um, it could also be the interpretation of like these horrible things that are happening underneath everyone's noses and everyone just is ignoring it. All of Hmm. these kids are dying and people are just moving on. There, there is something worth noting there. Um, part of that also plays into the sort of culture war that was going on in the 80s. Um, a lot of the times that stuff was sort of just like, like a side, like moral, quote unquote, lesson. You know, it's like, oh, don't fornicate, don't die, some bullshit like that. Um, that that definitely played into it to some extent, I'd, I'd say. Um, I, typically, uh, I, I actually I, see that a lot in horror movies, where, or at least a lot of horror media. Which is, if a character is going to die, they have to be a bad person. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always the it's always the bitchy, mouthy, selfish, um, chick who's like, you know, why isn't everyone paying attention to me or doing what I want to do? Well, fuck you guys. I'm just gonna go and do my own thing. They're always like the first one to die. Yeah, and you get to feel good about it because yeah, fuck that that girl and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, that guy's just a big dumb jack. Who gives a shit? Like, you have fun with it and enjoy people doing like watching someone go bad. But but Those there is something. Things. But there is something true, I think, to what you're saying, Crispy, is I do think there is that underlying uh, message of that of like you know, good boys and girls don't let stuff like this won't happen to them, and and. There's a very uh, specific scene that I'm thinking of in the first Friday the 13th where you've got these two young, you know, a young couple, and they're in this, like, camp uh, cabin, and they're, they're making out, obviously about to, ha- about to or having premarital sex, and, like, suddenly the, the guy who's on his back, his eyes go, like, wide, and you see this, like, uh, arrow shaft punch up like from it from underneath through his chest and out yeah and it's the very and the very obvious as you said underlying message is like you know what if these kids weren't out here doing things they shouldn't be doing this wouldn't be happening to him so i I think that you're right to an extent about that and i think once that kind of took off yeah then you 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 got that whole oh it's it, moral. It, it, it's okay it's for no, people to watch this because, yeah, yeah. It it started out, I think, as a moral, yeah, as an underlying moral thing. But then it snowballed into the people just wanted to see this undead killer killing people you that you that could not stop. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like they just kind of set it forward, you know. And it, that's something that was around way before Friday the Thirteenth. I want to say. Well, I mean, if you look at it, um, Frankenstein. The, the creature, to an extent, was an unstoppable killing force. 
even though he wasn't the monster of the story, it was his creator. It was Dr. Frankenstein was the true monster of the story. He was the one that went against the laws of, of God and nature. And the creature itself is an abomination, but it's not his fault. You know, he's the tragic figure. Um, yeah. But if you even look like, you know, Nosferatu, if you look at, at Dracula, again, this unstoppable, super powerful killing force. Um, there's something about that that's attractive. Ladies like a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to talk about one more specific movie that kind of fucked me up in horror. Oh boy! And we keep Please. we keep jeering back into movies. Yep, yep, yep. Um, there's a not great but not terrible movie, uh, called The Grudge. Oh God! There's a particular scene where essentially this this spirit will attach itself to somebody and essentially, tr you know, stalks them until it can kill them. And there's this scene where there's this lady and she's leaving work and this evil spirit is stalking her. And as she's walking down this stairwell, the lights keep like in the stairwell keep going off and flickering. And as they flicker on, down at the bottom of the stairwell, she sees this demonic, you know, spectral form of this evil girl who's the spirit, this one that's stalking her. And as the, and as the light flickers on, she'll see it, and it's just kind of like hanging back in the darkness. And every time the light flickers on, it's coming up the stairs closer and closer. That scene fucked my head so badly that... Yeah. For years, I lived in a three-story, I lived in a house that was three finished floors. We had two floors upstairs, and then we had a basement, which is where my wife and I had our room and resided. I could not go up and down stairs, even in daylight, without the lights on, because uh. every time I would start to go up and down, if it was kind of shadowy, in my head, I would see that fucking spirit down at the end of the stairs. Every goddamn time, that movie fucked yeah. me so bad. And I don't know why, because I don't really believe in that whole, like, you know, spirits and ghosts and shit. But something about that hit just right. Yeah, really. Touching to something. Some primal instinct of fight or flight. Do either I mean, of you... I, I'm trying to think of a, um, of a movie that actually, like, fucked with me. I got nothing. I'm pr I've been pretty good about not having it get to my brain. Okay. Mr. J is a Vulcan oh. confirmed. No. Oh, lucky you. Mr. Lo Mr. Logic. And no, the, the actual issue is that I don't really have dreams. Just like as a me thing. Oh, man. Yeah. That's so... not fair. Okay. <laughs> you, you are a sleep god. Like you could, yeah. like, I oh, swear, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. if you didn't a need to work god. and eat, I, I think you could sleep a good 18 hours a day. Yeah, I I have the physical capability of a cat. I can just conk the fuck out, no question. And then you don't really dream? Oh, man, yeah. I am so jealous. Because, yeah. like, I can sleep, but I can't stop dreaming. No, and so, uh, I'm lucky if I get one, uh, like, a month or so. Oh, man, you're so, so lucky. Six, eight hours of sleep, and, like, the whole time my brain is, like... Here's a movie for to keep you entertained. 
you know, wake up like tired because the brain hasn't actually rested. I don't really dream it's... either, but that's for different reasons. All right, so I'm the <laughs> fucked up one. Right. <laughs> You're the weird one with your I'm the normal weird... everyday brain thing. <laughs> All right, well, that's fair. I've never really considered myself normal. I mean, I don't think any of us do, but apparently some of us are less normal than others. I have average things. I think um... goodly. <laughs> So you don't get nightmares then? No. Oh no, I dream sometimes and I'll get nightmares. No, I I haven't gotten a nightmare in, since I was like six. See, I don't get nightmares either. Yeah, I get fucking hate you. I have stress, <laughs> <laughs> but I have stress mares. Where? Oh, those definitely. Where, it's not something horror, but it's something like really stressful. You know, like like you're needing to get like packed and ready for a trip, but like you spend like you're constantly like trying to get your clothes ready, trying to get ready to go. It's like you got to get ready to go. You got to get ready to go. You need to leave in like ten minutes, ten minutes. But like everything keeps becoming more complicated and difficult. Like it's a bad sitcom, shit yeah. like that. Like like that's that is probably seventy five percent of my dreams, where I just wake up and I'm exhausted because. I've been stressing about a non-existent event that that I've just, you know, been going through in my sleep. That sounds terrible. I'm sorry for you. I mean, I've I've had stress dreams like that, but they're more nebulous things like um like I'm trying to climb a hill or something and I'm like not moving very well and I like end up like flying up in the air on the swings or something and I'm really high up and I feel like I'm going to fall. Hmm. Now, see I have a similar thing that has been a, a, a reoccurring thing in my dream since I was just a little boy. And I, I don't really have a name for it, but it's like, like I'll be going up against somebody, like I need to fight somebody, but it's like when I'm swinging at them, I'm in water. So like my, my arms move really slow. So like when I hit them, it's, you don't get the same impact or uh, if I have a weapon and I'm shooting at them, it's like the gun is like moving out like pew, you know, like it's it's moving like yeah. at one hundredth speed or like I go to hit somebody with something like it's a baseball bat, but the bats made like out of rubber or stuff like like it's it's like I'm trying to do something, but it's not being effective. Whatever that is, I I, I have had that dream so many times since I was a kid. Have you tried not? Yeah, I know what you mean. I've. I had dreams like that. I'm sorry. What was that, Jay? Have you tried not dreaming? It works pr- for me pretty well. Okay. What do, What do you think <laughs> the alcohol that I drink every night's for? <laughs> it, sometimes I just can't drink just, enough not to that, dream. You're doing it wrong. You got to smoke a joint before you go to sleep. Dude, That's it's not good. legal in my state. I mean, I don't know a guy. Allegedly. Allegedly. In Minecraft. Right. <laughs> For for legal purposes, all of that was a joke. For legal purposes, we don't exist, and this podcast isn't real. You're not real. Oh my god. We can't keep doing this. <laughs> like, at this point, this is a very bad episode of The X-Files, where, like, uh, at this point, it zooms out from the to, to like it's a tape recorder, and you just see a finger press out and hit end, and, he's, <laughs> and then Fox, Fox Mulder sits back and he's just like exhales loudly, and he looks over at Scully and he's like, "You want to go get dinner?" <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, this is one of those episodes where they're, it's even too much for them. Just like, nah, not dealing with this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. That's too much even for me. That's that's how you know you've crossed a line. Where even Fox Mulder's like, that's that's crazy. Just thinking of that one episode where just all in different tubs talking on the phone, like all the big cat characters. So, do we have any final thoughts about horror? It's scary. Uh, you gotta know your own what you like. There's nothing else that's going to work for you except you're going to enjoy except for what you like. And that is okay. Yeah. Not everyone likes gore or uh, the real slow burn shit. Yeah, oh, definitely not the real slow burn shit. Oh, God. I, I love it, though. You see, to me, I love like... oh, The Lighthouse. Mm, give me that only. Oh, The Lighthouse is a good movie. See, I love a good psychological horror. The, the emotional stuff, it's, it's where it's not like, you know, it's not the jump scare type thing. I, that, I, that shit bothers me. That's the stuff that like, oh, I, I just, it leaves me feeling icky. Oh, jump end. scares are the worst. It's too but, easy. Yeah, of course yeah. you get startled. You're a human. And I, and I don't, and I'm not a super big on blood and guts. Like it doesn't bother me. I'm not like, yeah. like that kind of thing does not bother me at all, but I'm, but it's not something I seek out. Right. But the mm -hmm. psychological stuff where it comes down, where it's like the emotional stuff where you are on the journey with that care, with those characters and you start to feel what they're feeling and you're seeing what they're seeing. And then when they start to react, you start getting horrified understanding like you could be where you're not in that headspace with them, but you could see where you could be. Oh, those, those are brilliant. Love those. Take me on a journey with one, with, with those the, all day long. Mm -hmm. See, I'm more into the cheesy stuff. So I'm not the best to say about this. Like I like cheesy slasher movies and things or, um, God, we gotta watch the the movie we watched, uh, Black Sheep, which is a New Zealand horror comedy movie involving wear sheep. Okay. The '96 movie. I don't know if it is '96. Wear no, sheep. No, no, no it's it. it's not '96. It's way it's way more recent. Okay. Well, you know, for uh, I, again, before your time, probably not your thing. I'm assuming you 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 two have heard of Kevin Smith. Yes. Uh -huh. He uh he has long talked about wanting to do a a I'm using air quotes horror movie uh called Moose Jaws that is simply Jaws but it's a moose set in Canada. Uh, actually, that sounds like a fun movie. Moose are terrifying. They are. They're yeah, absolutely they terrifying. Really are. They they look like they should be from the dinosaur times because they're fucking enormous. Yeah, you don't realize how big they are, and then you actually see how big they are, and it's Jesus. Yeah, that's the All true right. horror: moose attacks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the moose that comes after you with a chainsaw and a hockey mask. Oh God! Can... <laughs> and it's a, a zombie. Thought, just <laughs> zombie moose with chainsaw antlers. There you go. 
Yeah, like one of his anglers is like half broken off, right? And he's got like, you know, drool coming out of his mouth and he's but he's somehow holding a chainsaw. Like his his two front arms or legs have been cut off and replaced with some sort of anthropomorphized like bear arms and he's holding a chainsaw. There you go. Oh, see, I I thought we were doing the doom thing and he's just like got chainsaw arms in the front and it's just like a cyber demon. Which oh, is pretty there funny you go. Oh, okay. You just made this even better. Right? Yeah. Like he's standing on two legs and he's got chain cyber chainsaw arms. Oh yeah. I am down for this uh so, moose saw. <laughs> it has like little band saws or something on the on the antlers. Just slashes <laughs> people through. Yeah. Oh, that's so dumb. Perfect. We'll sell a million copies. <laughs> I mean cocaine bear sold some amount of copies. Oh, and that was God, just for a stupid name. They keep making uh, Sharknado movies. Yeah. Oh, God, don't remind me. Hey, you're the one who likes the stupid stuff, right? Yeah, you like bad That's true. movies, right? I, I, I love Loss of Pastor, unironically, so I don't have room to talk. All right, yeah. well, Loss when it comes to horror, like what you like. You don't have to apologize for it. Scary stuff can be fun. Yeah. This has been the Ox Unplugged. Goodbye, everybody. Ooh. Ah, they should make that into a movie. Like Waffle House the Musical. <laughs>